life can have this funny way of just pulling the rug from underneath your feet sometimes. Events can happen that just take away all the spare time that you have and plans just go flying out the window. And unfortunately, that is what's happened to me this week. I won't go into the details. You wouldn't want to know them. There's nothing interesting. But all my free time taken away and I've not had the time to put into doing the podcast, which I I would like to have done. But I don't want to go and miss an episode. So what I was going to do is I was going to have a month worth of episodes all based around Irish whiskies. And I'd started recording bits here and bits there in preparation for that. And what I think I'll do is rather than do a whole month of Irish whiskies, I'll still use that stuff. It's lots about Irish whiskey that I want to explore. Um, but I'll do those in a different way. I'll do that with episodes coming out here and there rather than a solid month. And that frees me up to put a little bit in today, which has already been pre-recorded. Now, it's going to be a bit rough, not fully edited. In fact, even the music's different. Um and it's going to be short. So I apologise for all those things and, and for all this inconvenience. Um, but I do hope that you'll enjoy listening to it. Before I go into that, though, I'd like to say a couple of other things. One is I, I don't consider myself to be a whiskey expert. I consider myself to be a bit of an enthusiast, a fan of whiskey. Um, I don't know absolutely everything. In fact, I don't even begin to scratch the surface of the amount of knowledge that's out there. And I will, from time to time, get things wrong. In fact, often I will get things wrong. And the reason I'm saying this is because last episode, I got something wrong. Now, I was talking about... The decanter of Macallan's 64-year-old whiskey that was auctioned off for that record-breaking close on £300,000 at auction recently. And I was saying I don't think I'll ever be fortunate enough to, to taste that whiskey. And do you know, wouldn't it be great if that was the bit that I was wrong about and I could then say, but I have some here. No, I don't. What I did do that episode is I then tried to guess a little bit about what the whiskey would taste like. And one of the comments I said was, there won't be any smoke in there. It's Macallan. That is the bit that I got wrong. Because I have since discovered, and when I look back on it, it's pretty obvious, is that this is a 64-year-old whiskey with some of the whiskey in there being 68 years old. So when was that whiskey made? Back in the 40s, 42, 45 and 46. We're talking about an awful lot of stuff going on in the world then. Wars amongst them, leading to coal being very short and being very valuable. And so coal wouldn't have been used. What would they have used? Of course, they'd have used peat. There were peated Macallans being produced at that point. So... Even though the website and the Macallan website on the on the tasting wheel there doesn't declare it as having any smoke in it, there is likely to be a smokiness to that whiskey. Mm. 
any regular listener would most likely pick up. There are distilleries that I'm a great fan of. And one of those distilleries is Cooley. And I will be doing an episode soon focused around one of Cooley's products. And I'm, I'm pleased to say that Cooley has been given this wonderful title of European Distiller of the Year by the International Wine and Spirits Awards in London. And that makes them European Distiller of the Year for the third year running. Now, in July, Cooley's won 10 gold medals at the IWS competition, giving them a total of 100 gold medals over a period of 10 years. Also named 2010 Distiller of the Year by More Advocate magazine, and was the IWSC's World Distiller in both 2008 and 2009. So, do you know, well done, Coolies. That, that is building up a huge track record, and there's just some more accolades there for them to, to pin on their shelves. European Distiller of the Year. Third year running, Coolies Distillery. Well done. There is a saying, the new kid on the block. Well, I wonder what happens when there's an old kid on the block. Hello, and thank you for downloading this episode of the Malted Muse podcast. We're in Ireland, and we're looking at the Bushmills Distillery. And if you look at a bottle of Bushmills, you will obviously see the word Bushmills, and above it you'll see the, the date 1608. Now that doesn't actually directly refer to the distillery. It refers to a license that was issued for that area to distill and make whiskey for a period of seven years and that was issued for the area in 1608. Doesn't refer directly to the distillery but one year that does refer to the distillery is the year 1784 because the Bushmills Old Distillery Company was formed 175 years after the, the 1608, and in 1891, the company advertised a new whiskey, the Old Glyn Bush, and on there, they had that date, 1784, as the year they were established. Now, what does that mean? That means that that distillery is still a very old distillery, um, but it's claiming to be the oldest. Well, there's a, an old kid on the block at the moment, in my hand, I'm looking at a bottle of Kilbegan, Kilbegan Distillery, which I think means Little Church, um, had life breathed back into it from the Cooley's Distillery, and now the Cooley's Distillery has reopened the Kilbegan Distillery and is started producing whiskey itself. And that says on the bottom, from the world's oldest distillery, and on the top of the label, established in Ireland, 1757 predating the Bushmills. But let's be honest, it's not been in continuous production. And that may be Bushmills' um, saviour, because of course Bushmills has been producing whiskey for a long time, and it's good quality whiskey, and that is what is important, isn't it? To make sure that the quality is good. And it's an unusual whiskey, because for an Irish whiskey, it's triple distilled, as whiskies in Ireland often are. It's pot still whiskey 
um, as opposed to a continuous still produced whiskey. So it's made in batches and the quality is better than it is from a continuous still. And the other thing though that makes it a bit different, it wouldn't make it different from a Scottish whiskey, but does really from an Irish whiskey, and that is that it is 100% malt barley. And that is a different thing because in Irish whiskey you can use malted barley and you can use grain going in to be distilled at the same time. Bushmills are now using 100% malted barley, although they do do blends on site. The barley that they use is not peated. Now, long time ago in Ireland, there would have been peated whiskies, and there is still some peated whisky now in the Connemara, but the tradition at the moment within Ireland is to triple distill and is to use unpeated barley. Um, so that makes it stand out as being that little bit different from the Irish and a little bit different from the Scottish. Um, although, to be honest, it's very close to Scotland, both geographically and to a certain degree in flavour as well. Now, one of the reasons there's a little bit of um, uncertainty, I suppose, about the history and how far back it goes, etc., with, with bush mills, is to do with the record keeping. There certainly was record keeping, and when the distillery burnt down, um, which was a, a, a big fire, which actually isn't that uncommon within distilleries, because you have to remember, within a distillery, you've got a volatile substance in the form of alcohol with all those vapors, and you've got heat and a lot of process going on, so accidents will happen. In 1885, the distillery was destroyed, but the records survived. The records were moved, they were placed somewhere very safe, and then unfortunately, later on, 1941, I think it was, during the war, it was bombed, and um, all the company records were then lost. So that you now makes tracking certain things a bit difficult. Now, one of the things that I find interesting about Bushmills is that obviously in the past it has changed hands a few times, different companies, different people owning it. And one of those people was a man by the name of Samuel Boyd, who um, was a Belfast wine and spirit merchant. A very wealthy man, made a lot of money through wines and spirits, got to the point where he actually could purchase the distillery, and by doing so, saved the distillery. The funny thing about Samuel Boyd, he is also a very keen writer for the temperance movement. So there's a little bit of a paradox. Now, I have to just say one little thing about Bushmills and the story that I'm going to relate to it, and that is, it's an apology really. I am wanting the stories to link with the whiskey and I'd like them to be a bit different from what people necessarily expect. But um, with Bushmills, really there's one story that stands out like anything and it, you have to attach it to it. And it's the story of Finn McCall. The Finn McCall, the legendary giant who made the Giant's Causeway, is very close to uh, Bushmills Distillery. And I have heard about how workers at the distillery will take bottles of bushmills, tie rope to them, and put them out into the water 
to come back later, pour them out and have a glass of that sea-chilled whiskey with breathtaking views in front of them. <laughs> oh God, that sounds so good. And to do that at a place like the Giant's Causeway and to have such a story attached to it, really, in all honesty, how could one not attach that story to this distillery? In later time, I hope to revisit the uh, whiskies of Bushmills and attach other stories to it as well. But for the time being, the story will be Finn McCall and the Giant's Causeway. Finn, or as some call him Fingal, was a giant who as a child lived in servitude to a larger giant and hated it. One day, he went out and caught a salmon, a magical salmon, for his master, and then he went to cook it. And whilst he was cooking it, he burnt his finger, and by doing so gained the ability to see the future whenever he sucked his thumb. Now, he was a proud giant, and when he escaped from his master and he grew up, he decided he would not go into servitude again, and to make sure of this, he fought all the giants in Ireland, and he won every battle. He married, and he lived happily near the north coast of Ireland, not a stone's throw from where the Bushmills distillery now lies. One day, he decided it was time to travel to Scotland and see what giants he could fight there, so he built a road, now known as the Giant's Causeway. When he was close to finishing it, he trapped his thumb under one of the stones. In pain, he lifted his thumb up and sucked it, and straight away he saw a vision of a Scottish giant, so big and so strong, Finn knew that he could not win any fight against him. The vision also told him that this giant also had a magic thumb, but in his thumb was the source of his great strength. Finn ran home frightened. On seeing him, his wife Una poured out a couple of glasses from a large cask that had been filled from Finn's copper pot still. They drank and thought, and after a short while, she knew what to do. She got out an old pram, dressed Finn as a baby and put him in it. Then she baked two loaves of bread. In one of the loaves she put a heavy griddle pan and made a large ball of curd which she rolled in the dust so it looked like stone. Having seen Finn building the road and knowing his reputation for fighting, the Scottish giant, Cuculin, ran over the causeway to fight Finn. He came straight to Finn's house and demanded to see him. I'm afraid he's not here, said Una, but he'll be back soon. Come in and wait. Cuculin came in. After a short while, Una said that she was cold and asked Cuculin to lift up the hill and turn it round so that the wind would not blow in through the door. Cuculin said he could not do such a thing and was amazed when she said that Finn did it twice a day. She then said that she was thirsty and poured three glasses straight from the still. She drank one straight down, gave one to the baby and the other to Cuculin. Cuculin saw her and the baby drink it like water, and not knowing better, he gulped it down quickly and pulled faces as it burnt his throat. So you're not used to the whisky then, she said, and asked him to squeeze water out of a stone for her. 
so that it would cool his throat. Don't be stupid, he said. How can you get water from a stone? Well, you're not very strong at all, are you? She replied. Even Finn's baby can do that. She gave the curds that looked like stones to Finn, who easily squeezed the way out of them. Cocoolin was amazed. You must be hungry, she said, and she gave a loaf to Finn, and the other, the one with the griddle hidden in it, she gave to the giant. Finn ate his with no problem, but the Scottish giant broke his teeth on his. Cocoolin became scared that if the baby was so strong, then Finn must be even stronger. Curious, he put his fingers into the baby's mouth to feel how sharp his teeth must be. Finn took his chance and bit off the giant's thumb, and in doing so took away his magical strength. Cocoolin was overcome with fear and ran away, pulling up the causeway as he went. Some say that he had the last laugh, though, for as he left he grabbed what he could from Finn's house, and this included Finn's copper pot still. Now, I don't want to cause any arguments, but could this be how whisky first came to Scotland? As always, I'd like to thank you for downloading the podcast and for listening to the story. I hope you gained something from it. If ever you get the chance to visit the Bushmills distillery, do so. It's an interesting distillery. Um, It's tucked away in a small village and yet is clearly a large concern, um, perhaps one of the more industrial-looking distilleries, and yet at the same time mingled with tradition and old buildings. Well worth a visit. Um, My only criticism, really, I think, of the distillery tour is the tasting area. has a little bit of a cafe feel to it. And the shop, I would have liked there to have been a, a few books for sale in the shop, Um, But they do do a nice range of whiskey and they do do actually a nice range of clothing as well because, of course, Bushmills are good sporting sponsors. Thank you again. And uh, as always, if you want to contact me, you can do so by email at jim at themaltedmuse.com or you can visit me on the website, themaltedmuse.com. Thank you very much and goodbye.